This episode of Serverless Chats is sponsored by TriggerMesh and Amazon Web Services. This week, I chat with Matt Coulter about building well-architected serverless with CDK patterns. This is Serverless Chats, episode number 76. everyone, I'm Jeremy Daly and this is Serverless Chats. Today I am joined by Matt Coulter. Hey Matt, thanks for joining me. Hey Jeremy, thanks for having me on today. I'm looking forward to this discussion so much. Awesome. So you are a technical architect at Liberty IT. So why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about your background and what you do at Liberty IT? Sure. So yeah, I'm in this account enabling architect role now in Liberty IT. And what that really means is Liberty is a global company. It's huge. So Liberty IT in Belfast and Dublin has about 200 engineers in my in my section. But globally, there's over a thousand engineers. And if you Google, you know, Liberty Mutual Serverless, you can see that we have a mission. We have a mandate. We want to be a serverless first company, rapidly delivering value in a well-architected way. So my job is to create the environment where our engineers can do that and at, at a global scale. So not just one team, but I actually do it in a way that we don't leave everybody behind and everybody feels bought in and empowered to do that job. Right. Yeah. And and if anybody has been paying attention on Twitter or um, is anywhere near, uh, I would say, the CDK space, they've probably come across cdkpatterns.com, which is a site that you put together. And I want to talk about that because that is super interesting um, just in and of itself. But um, but there's also this, I mean, part of the reason why I think you built this, and again, we'll get into this, but is because the CDK is so powerful. And I'm going to I'm gonna do a little mea culpa here. At the beginning of 2020, I was looking at the CDK and I was like, ah, I don't know. I I like DSLs better than I like this idea of imperative code for infrastructure as code. Um, I think I have completely changed my mind on this just because of how powerful CDK is, especially encapsulating functionality for teams. So I want to talk about the CDK first and then we'll get into CDK patterns. So let's start there. Let's start with the CDK. And in case people are not familiar with what CDK is, um, can you explain that and give us some of the vocabulary that that uh, new listeners might need to know in order for us to have this conversation so they can follow along? Absolutely. Uh, so the first thing is, and I learned this just for CDK Day, um, CDK itself, which stands for the Cloud Development Kit, is actually now a family of products. So if you just say CDK, you're actually referring to AWS CDK, which is the original, the, the main kit that is used to deploy resources on AWS using Python, Java, TypeScript. Um, pretty much, they're, they're working on Go, a lot of languages. But there's also CDK for Terraform, which has come up through the community, and it's an officially supported product. Uh, CDK for Kubernetes, and I saw CDK for Azure. So what brings those things together as an umbrella of products is a thing called Constructs. And Constructs is an open source product. And that is the magic behind the CDK. That is the thing that allows you to write code in your normal language, and it gets converted into the DSL 
that was the original thing that was used in the first place. So we're probably going to spend this conversation talking about AWS CDK. And what it does is it converts all of your code into CloudFormation. And that's that's the brilliance of CDK. It's empowering developers with the languages they know. But at the end of the day, you can still apply all your rigor and compliance and CloudFormation knowledge to the full setup. And just one more term that might come up later. Whenever we talk about constructs, we talk about L1, L2, and L3 constructs. So it it's simple-ish to remember. L1 means cloud formation. Everything in L1 starts with CFN. L2 means AWS built it. So that's their very light opinion on how to make things easier. And then L3 is stuff that we build that is typically an aggregation of multiple L2s. That's, I think that's pretty much the vocabulary that you need to understand this discussion anyway. All right, well, that's, that's good. That's a good place for us to start. And this is where, I think this is why um, things have changed my mind because of those L3, um, that L3 category there, right? And and the I or the L3 constructs. And it's because what has happened is rather than you just defining your infrastructure, um, you know, using, you know, code, whatever, JavaScript or TypeScript or Java, whatever, rather than just defining it that way, constructs are like, you know, multiple pieces of of infrastructure that can be wrapped up together, especially when you start building these these level three ones. Um, and that allows you to wrap up all your compliance, all of your observability, all of your uh, metrics, all of your alarms, everything wrapped into one. And so you can do similar things with like, um, with serverless uh, or with um, even even with Sam or things like that. So why why did you choose um, why did you choose to do the CDK at Liberty Mutual? Um, if it's kind of possible to do some of these other things, I know you have to copy and paste a lot, but why why is the CDK so much more powerful? Why did you choose that at Liberty? Yeah, so um, I'll tell you a story. So I, I'll. A while ago, a few years ago, I had this awesome team. And we were known as um, a team that built a suite of microservices to support the the insurance apps. So multi-billion dollar apps were reliant on our services. And that meant we were specialists in Spring Boot and as well as Python for deploying machine learning models in Docker. So there was five of us on the team, I think. And we were supporting and maintaining roughly 30 microservices. Now, this was a high-performing team, but I spent way too much of my time talking to our business partners saying, we need to do ops. It was a case of, okay, we need to upgrade this service from Spring Boot 1.x to higher version. Or, you know, I was, I was talking to our senior architect at the time who challenged me on a project we called Deploy With Confidence. And he had said to me, I want you to tell me if the system breaks before a customer calls you. So it was at that point in time, I had this brilliant idea of, do you know what, guys, let's go serverless. And I remember calling the team into the room and saying, it it won't be that bad. You know, just put a couple of lines of code into a Lambda function and we're good. We can get rid of all the spring boot. We get rid of all the frameworks. It'll be easy. It was not easy. It was it was challenging to say the least because our first our first piece of code that we put out there was an API gateway and one Lambda function and nothing else. And that Lambda function just made a call to a third party API. 
that took us months to get working. And that was because whenever you're deploying code into like our cloud in particular is very locked down. We have these tools in place that if you try and deploy cloud formation that isn't up to our standards, it just gets deleted. It's just gone. <laughs> uh, on top of that, you need to know what various AWS components you're allowed to use. So as, as you know, AWS offers options for everything, right. but you need to know which options are good for you. So we had to use at the time a private API gateway, which I don't know if very many people use private gateways, but we had to use private API gateways with a custom authorizer Lambda. And that by the time we got that coded, it was over a thousand lines of CloudFormation template. And then the team got into the discussions of, okay, we were a trunk-based development team. So if we have four or five developers all working off one cloud formation template, it's mm-hmm. just it, it was just chaos. It was carnage because it, it was like somebody delivers something, but it wasn't quite ready for production yet. We, we were not used to that. We had all our Java habits down. So yeah. we started pulling the Lambda functions out of that main template and putting them elsewhere. And that's where we had all these different cloud from We started doing the single function in a cloud formation template. Wow, yeah. It was at that point we discovered that if you weren't using aliases, you had to redeploy the gateway stack, even though the gateway stack was completely separate to the Lambda. It didn't pick up changes automatically. So we, we were going through this evolution of, it's not really cloud formation's fault, but we were learning all these things about serverless along the way. And by the time we got it all done, we were really proud of what we built, but as I said, Liberty's huge. So the amount of teams who had the same idea as me and thought, yes, I want to do that. And then I had to sit down. I wrote this five-part blog series that was, I, I don't know how many thousand words, but it was long. It's practically a book on just how to deploy an API gateway. And yeah. that was in cloud formation. So whenever I started looking at the other products like serverless framework and SAM didn't exist whenever I was looking at it, but you still had to override parts of the underlying cloud formation to make it compliant in our in, in our environment. So to me, the advantage was just it was easier to stick with the pure cloud formation because I I needed to know it anyway. So what, what was the point? The tipping point for me was whenever I tried CDK, I was able to take that same API gateway that caused us so much pain. And I made a construct for it that in 14 lines of code, any developer could just it literally go new gateway that's secured, add this endpoint, point to that Lambda function. And that has been deployed thousands of times in the past year alone, just because the developer experience was what you would expect. And the beauty of it was the other abstractions for me are they are a pure abstraction. So you can't, it's it's quite hard to kick kick the tires, so to speak, and understand what it's trying to do. But because CDK is cloud formation, I was able to do CDK synth to a cloud formation template itself. And because I knew the cloud formation, I knew everything it was doing and knew it was good. And I could pipe that into SAM to to pair the two products and start up the API gateway locally. So I was able to create this compelling vision to the engineers to say, here's something like what you had with Spring Boot before, short amount of code, you can start it locally. Oh, and by the way, you can write infrastructure unit tests for this as well. So you can do your CI, CD pipelines. Yeah. And that's why, because it brought all, all those skills that we already had. And it, it 
transformed the developer experience into pretty much what we expected in the first place. No, oh, I mean, that's amazing. I, and that just the, I mean, is that when, when you did that, I mean, putting all that out there and saying like, hey, we're going to completely change the way that Liberty IT um, builds applications. I mean, it's sort of like a, a major sort of like career, um, you know, like betting on your career in a bit or in a way, right? Yeah, I mean, it's funny because, as you said yourself, at the start of 2020, um, I went out there loud and proud talking about, you know what, I think CDK will work. And not only will it work, it will work for serverless. And pretty much everybody looked at me going, what has Matt been drinking today? You know, (laughs) (laughs) I don't think he's right. But, you know, I've stuck with it and I've kept, I think the key has been sticking to open source and talking about this stuff publicly rather than mm-hmm. if I'd just done everything in Liberty. And then right. we'd be having a conversation where you'd be saying, I still don't know what CDK can do, you know? Right. And and actually, so I, I want to get into the CDK patterns um, site that you did, but this is probably a good place to bring this in. And then we can go back to sort of what happened within Liberty. So you've got thousands of engineers, you've got hundreds of teams or uh, hundreds of engineers, you know, it's, it's a very big company, the, the Liberty IT the, uh, piece of it. Um, so you've got all these engineers, you've got tons of different teams. Um, so you come up and you write e- these few constructs, you, you start coming up with these ideas, showing people how this can work. But how do you then get, I mean, that's in one or two teams, right? That's sort of a small, <laughs> sort of small pod within that organization. How do you get an entire company, especially an enterprise, to adopt that standard. Yeah, so it helps that Liberty Mutual as a whole are, Liberty Mutual split up into different business segments. Um, So my segment, GRS, we call it Global Risk Solutions. Um, Lucky I remembered that. Um, (laughs) But uh, we're basically large commercial and specialist insurance. But our CIO actually made a mandate. He, He put down what our vision is as a company and where we want to go. And he wrote down that we want to be a serverless first company. So whenever you have buy-in from at the executive level to say we want to be serverless, it helps a long way. But the second part of it is I haven't mandated anything to any engineer who works anywhere because I've seen an awful lot of times where it doesn't matter how good your idea is. If, if you come in and you tell people, I think I know better than you, it, they just say no. So that's why that's why I started with CDK Patterns External, which is, given we haven't introduced it yet, an open source collection of serverless architecture patterns. And the idea was, if I could go external and say, here is a thing, here is an actual industry thing, here are all the AWS heroes that talk about the patterns that are in this, here's the links to all their blog posts, here's their articles, here is me talking about it in the world, and then go to them, conduct a well-architected review with their team. And instead of mandating it, just ask them, okay, I see you're trying to build this particular solution. Have you considered? And then at that point, because the thing already exists, it's already coded and they can pick up on it. I think you've reduced the barrier for them to go the direction you want to go rather than forcing them. Right. Yeah, I know. And I think that, again, brilliant idea in order to get community sort of community support. Right. And then you get external pressure kind of pushing down, um, you know, on the organization 
um, because that is what the community is using. It's sort of community accepted. And the other thing that's great, and this is one of the things I love about open source, is community review, right? You put something out there and you say, hey, here's this pattern for doing X, Y, Z. If you have people coming back and saying, well, it would be better if you did it this way, or here's an alternate way to do it or, or whatever, um, then it just, you know, it makes it so much, it, it makes everything better. It gets, everyone gets better because of that. Hi everyone, I wanna thank our sponsor, TriggerMesh. The TriggerMesh cloud-native integration platform lets you quickly build event-driven applications out of any on-premises application or any cloud service. TriggerMesh coined the term smokestack to describe the trends and technology driving this kind of cross-cloud event-driven architecture. Smoke stands for serviceful and serverless to abstract the cloud. Mashups to integrate across cloud services, open to remove barriers for integration, Kubernetes for cloud portability and scaling, and event-driven architecture for automation. With the Smokestack, enterprises of every stripe can modernize their applications to meet whatever challenges or opportunity 2020 brings us next. TriggerMesh thinks the Smokestack represents the best answer to the question on the mind of every architect. How can we be ready for anything? Grab the Smokestack white paper at triggermesh.com smoke to learn more. So you mentioned well-architected, and I know this is a big, big thing within um, within your organization, um, but also more broadly, just within the serverless community where standards, best practices, you know, again, patterns, what are the best patterns to use? You know, what are some of the pitfalls? What are some of the workarounds? Things like that. Um, that That is a, an ongoing challenge in the serverless world right now. And so enforcing those standards and in, enforcing sort of the compliance or the frameworks, uh, or I guess the, the well-architected framework within your organization, um, why is that such a huge priority uh, for you and for, and, and for I mean, and, and how does the CDK patterns really help with that? Yeah, so well-architected. At first, whenever I looked at it, I will break it down for people if you haven't been following it. So there's the well-architected white paper, which is several pages of just how AWS think you should be building anything on their cloud. And then there's the well-architected tool, which is in the console that lets you answer a bunch of questions and it gives you advice on where where they think you should go based on your workload. But they still, they've still been refining it further. So after that, AWS released a bunch of specific lenses and one of those lenses is the serverless lens of the well-architected framework. And that's a bunch of serverless focused questions about your architecture based on the pillars of the well-architected framework. And the reason why it's been so transformative for us is because again, we haven't we haven't introduced it as like a, a pass or fail function. It's a mechanism we use to have a conversation with our engineers. Mm -hmm. So we do these things I will say I'll say we do one every three months with it with a team for the purpose of sitting down and saying this this is the spec for what AWS thinks again not my opinion this is not the Matt Coulter <laughs> opinion of what you should be building this is Adolessa and the brilliant minds in AWS have said this is the serverless lens so can you tell me if I can see that your solution will scale but do you want it to scale that much you know are you going to cause a problem elsewhere or right how do you know if a piece is broken? And I just, I think the fact that that's there and it's broken down based on those pillars and it's not my opinion has helped us massively just have a base understanding across the org 
that it doesn't matter which business unit you're in or even which technology you're coding in, this is universal. Not, it's been a massive help that way. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's one of the things I think that, again, going back to the CDK and why I think I've changed my mind on it so much is that you can use these constructs to encapsulate some of these best practices into it. I mean, you know, in terms of the the actual pillars, um, you know, like just being able to have observability and some of these other things, your security, all that stuff. And then again, being such a large enterprise, I'm sure there are a lot of lawyers that work at Liberty IT and Liberty Mutual, right? To make sure that all these things get passed and all these things fall proper compliance. And then, I mean, just every other major compliance thing that's out there, whether it's PCI or SOC 2 or whatever those things are, um, all of that stuff, um, any bit of it that can be encapsulated into these constructs is just there, which is, um, I, I think is amazing. So, um, all right, so let's move on a little bit um, and get more specific about how you implement the CDK because uh, clearly you've got the CDK patterns on the outside, you know, sort of that pressure coming in. Um, I know you, you use those patterns internally as well. Um, but what about like just in a large organization? I mean, I think about something like dependency management, right? So how do you handle, I mean, you must have shared components across teams and things like that. So how do you do dependency management in CDK at Liberty IT? Yeah, <clears throat> so it's something I haven't touched upon yet. So CDK patterns is, as I've said, is the external facing open source collection of patterns. And you said we use them internally. Well, that is true. Um, we use them internally in the sense of there's a there's a Liberty Mutual tailored version of every pattern, but we also have a tool called the Software Accelerator. And what that is, is essentially click, 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 new pipeline set up, new code base set up, pattern deployed. So it's, it's a rapid tool for developers getting up to speed. The reason why that's relevant is because to this question is because it means that say that API gateway pattern that I just mentioned, mm -hmm. that is a custom construct that we have in NPM, but the accelerator, it just creates, it just pulls you in a version of like, uh, it just pulls in say version three, but yeah. it's still an NPM that you can update at any time. So we handle our dependency management based on standard, standard sort of practices based on you know, your, your releases. So um, we've been looking at it today as you can, there's a, there's a big discussion about this in the community for CDK with should you release a new version of your construct with every new version of CDK or should you build it in a way where you say any version above this point is good with this construct? And there, there's pros and cons for both ways. The reason why you release it with every version is because you can guarantee you've tested it. It works. You pull in the latest version of all the dependencies. And, you know, but the only downside is you need to release a new version for every version of CDK, which happens maybe twice a week. So <laughs> if, if you don't have that automated, it's a lot of work. Uh, the other way is you could say my construct works with anything above version, say, 1.30. And that'll work for the most part until you get a breaking API change. And then you have to decide, okay, then I'm going to need to release a new version and communicate to people for, you know, to work above this version, you need to update. And you're sort of into that method of the consumers tell you that the construct's broken before you know yourself, unless you're testing every version anyway. So that's why we use locked versions and we do 
updates with every version of CDK internally. But that works that works well because, as I said, everybody's working off those base patterns. So it's not like there's 5,000 different things to update. Whenever the API gateway construct gets a new version, it's just a case of we have a Teams channel. Just update the Teams channel and everybody knows new versions out there and they can update. Now that's, um, now not to get too deep into the weeds, but that's changing with V2 of the CDK, right? Yeah, so at the minute, originally whenever CDK was launched, they thought it would be good for every single, all those L2s that AWS made, the opinionated constructs, they're very light opinionated ones. They released them all independently, but the problem was that they all need to be on the exact same version of CDK today. So say you start building your project and it's 1.70, and then you decide to add a new dependency, but you just do npm install, and 1.71 has been released since then. Well, the new thing that you just pulled in would be at 1.71, and you would get a weird it doesn't actually say your dependencies mismatch. You, you get a weird TypeScript error. And the way to fix it is to make sure that all your dependencies are the same version. But what they're doing with V2, which I don't know the exact release date, but we keep saying it'll be a couple of months out, um, <laughs> is the mono CDK. So all of those AWS L2s are going to be bundled inside CDK's core module. So it means you you know, for third-party ones, you might have that issue slightly, but all of the AWS ones at least will be on the same version because they're bundled together. Awesome. All right, so now um, what about testing, right? So you mentioned mm -hmm. you could do some automated testing um, and uh, you know, sort of build that into the CICD to test your cloud formation. So how do you implement testing um, on, uh, on the, the CDK stuff? Yeah, so this is something I particularly like about CDK. Um, it's better in the TypeScript version than it is in the other languages, unfortunately. Um, there are plans, as far as I'm aware, to port the testing library over to all the other languages. It just hasn't been done yet. But if you look at all of the patterns on cdkpatterns.com, they all have tests. And there's multiple different levels of tests you can do. So you can, at the most basic level, you can do a snapshot, which is to say, this cloud formation should not change. And if it does change, my pipeline should break. I don't want this to deploy. And for me, that's the kind of test you put in after your application is stable. You're not adding any new features, but you're upgrading CDK versions and you just want to make sure nothing breaks. On top of that, you can actually do some more complicated granular tests. So you can go in and you can write a unit test to say, I expect this cloud formation to have a resource like a Lambda function with this particular handler. And that's, I tend to write a suite of tests all based around that so that that way I can at least, I know without having to say this whole cloud formation is the same, the very important bits on a unit test run, I can check that they're all there. That's, I think that's awesome. Yeah, no, that's, a, that's a, again, I mean, just writing tests, I mean, that's one of the things that is so tough with, you know, the DSLs, like if you just have cloud formation, like, running the tests on cloud formation are, uh, it's not very easy to do. Um, you know what I mean? And so um, if you have constructs that are generating cloud formation and you can run that and, and kind of, I mean, that's a, uh, that's a very, that's a very good approach um, uh, to doing that. I mean, we've all been there with cloud formation where there was, as I said, there was a team or four or five of us and somebody would change something that they thought was minor. And all of a sudden the cloud formation doesn't deploy. And then right. we're all sitting around going, what changed? So yeah, right. it's, that's that's why I love the unit test, because you know 
the cl- the unit tests are on the cloud formation itself. So they're not on like the Java code or the TypeScript code. They're on the cloud formation. So you know if they pass, at least you've got a valid cloud formation template that should yeah. theoretically deploy, which is nine tenths of the battle. Right. Absolutely. All right. So let's move on to the um, uh, to the CDK pattern site. So um, first of all, let's uh, take a step back. Um, you explained it. It's a collection of um, patterns and constructs for uh, for the CDK um, that uh, that basically outline a number of things. And what are there? Twenty three patterns now. 23 today, yeah. 23 patterns. So all these really great patterns, everything from you know uh, web hooks to uh, cloud formation to uh, Alexa skills to all these other things. Um, so just we kind of get the background of why you built it, but like just what 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 was the, really the the biggest motivation or what what was the the I guess the trigger point that said I'm going to go out there and I'm going to spend all of my free time here uh, building this amazing site that people can use. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I, I got on to CDK, uh, let's say it was probably last July, August, was whenever I really got into CDK. And I, at that point, did not think I was going to start going open source and coding. But it was about the start of November, I launched that API gateway pattern internally. And I, I was so confident. I was like, yes, this is it. We're done. <laughs> We've got API gateway and Lambda. We are good. Um, but I got to go to reInvent last year. I was so lucky to, to get one of the tickets. And I realized that most of the problem was actually just the sheer amount of options for developers and what they can do. You know, it doesn't matter who you follow, if it's yourself or any of the advocates or who, there's a million and one different patterns and opinions for how you can build these things. So I was sitting there and I thought, how can I help this situation? Because as I mentioned earlier, you would get, say, a pattern. Say I took the simple web service for myself, which is just API Gateway, Lambda, DynamoDB. But if I tried to deploy that internally, I personally know all of the extra steps I have to go to to deploy that in Liberty Mutual. But how do I help all the other engineers know that? So that's why I had I had this moment of decision where I could either do it internally or I could go external and go open source. And there's a tweet out there from, I think, January, where I said, sod it, <laughs> you know, be the change you want to see in the world. I bought cdkpatterns.com, let's get this created. And ever since then, as you say, I've had no free time, just pretty much <laughs> every free second, just reading and coding. But the reason why I've kept doing it is because the first, the first couple of patterns launched and I said I was doing it because I wanted to help the engineers know what it is, you know, how they can deploy things and what they need to configure. And it really, internally, it really did hit the mark. It, it had massively helped. So that's, never mind the fact that externally people have picked up on it. It, had, it has made my life so much easier as an architect, being able to use it as the base conversation, even the likes of this, where we know we have the same language to have these conversations. Yeah, that's amazing. 
Hey everyone, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Amazon Web Services, and make sure to remind you that AWS reInvent 2020 is just around the corner. This year, AWS reInvent is a three-week virtual conference, and it's 100% free for everyone. You can enjoy unlimited access to hundreds of sessions led by top AWS experts. And with over 50 content tracks and multiple language options, this year's reInvent offers more possibilities than ever. The conference runs from November 30th to December 18th with both live and on-demand content. So register for free at reinvent.awsevents.com and explore the session catalog to plan your reInvent experience. All right, so let's get into um, CDK Patterns itself. So first of all, cdkpatterns.com, uh, go and check it out. Uh, it's not just a list of patterns. It is a uh, it is organized around the well-architected framework as well, or, or uh, the serverless lens of that. So, just explain the organization so people uh, people get that. Yep. So there's there's a few different ways you can find patterns on the site. Originally, it was just a GitHub repo, and I've sort of been agiling my way to a product here. Um, so the first way that you can you can you can just view all the patterns. You can just go in and click view all, and you can just see all the pictures and scroll through them. Or you can go in and view them by the serverless component used. So you could say I need a pattern for CloudFront. Go in and pick CloudFront, and it will filter them by the patterns that use CloudFront. But the the most interesting way that I've been trying to do it is I talked to Ederlesa and said. I want to try and introduce well-architected the CDK patterns. And originally I had this really lightweight thing, but in talking to him, it was a case of saying, if I'm conducting a well-architected review and somebody goes through that and they say, question two is your problem, how do they know the answer to that question is the particular pattern? So that's why if you go to the well-architected section of uh, cdkpatterns.com, it's broken down by each question in the well-architected serverless lens. And then each question doesn't just have one answer, it's got multiple best practices. So underneath each question, there's a best practice. And then if I have a pattern that helps with that best practice, it's right there. If I don't, it links to all the AWS docs, so you should at least be able to find something. Awesome. All right, let's talk about some of these patterns. So there are, like we said, 23 of them on there right now. Um, so what are some of your, what are your, what are some of your favorite ones? Yeah, the, the one that took the most effort, which I don't know if people realize looking at it was the CloudWatch dashboard pattern. Right. This is a good um, pattern. That, <laughs> yeah, that took me probably the longest of any of the patterns, I'd say three and a half weeks of just reading theory. So it's not so much the implementation, but what to implement was the problem right. there. And that goes back to it's taken, you know, the simple web service that I mentioned earlier, API Gateway, Lambda, DynamoDB. But if you want to build a CloudWatch dashboard for that, what do you put on it? What are the right graphs? What are the right metrics? What are the right alerts that you wanted to tell you? So I had to get into metric maths and, you know, trying to work out do even what do I want to alert on? How frequently? So we've used that pattern now internally, and I personally, it's it's one of my favorites just because it's it seems like it's low hanging fruit, but there's actually a lot more behind it once you scratch the surface. Right. Yeah. No. And I mean, and and if uh, there was just a talk the other day at uh, Serverless Days Virtual from the team at Lego, and one of their audit processes uh, processes was. 
uh, figuring out the observability piece and what metrics they wanted to track and what they wanted to alert on and make sure that everything was with that. I mean, that's a really interesting benefit of the CDK is to say, look, here's the pattern that I'm launching or here's the, the you know, the, the connection of, of components that I'm launching, but then everything else that's around that, you know, the j just the CloudWatch metrics alone are huge. So again, super cool pattern for that particular implementation, but a really good framework to use if you're building out your own constructs for your own company um, in terms of what other patterns uh, you might need there, or I'm sorry, what other alerts and metrics you would need uh, surrounding that. Yeah, I mean, if you jump into the pattern, you'll see the list of external references are quite long in that pattern. <laughs> and that's just because, I mean, um, there's a lot of opinions about what the right metrics are, but I will say you are gonna have to write your own metrics just because the ones out of the box they're not really good enough today, I would say, for just to use the pure metrics. That's why you have to get into metric maths and fully understand exactly why you, you know you're you're alerting on what it is. So the the pattern breaks it down by the metrics for the gateway itself, the metrics for the Lambda function, and the metrics for DynamoDB. So if you've any of those three things, it's definitely worth checking it out and seeing if there's anything that can help you. Yeah, and you doing all that research for us is very, very helpful. Um, all right, so another uh, another pattern on there that's one of my favorites, and this is this is newer um, to the to the CDK pattern site uh, is the uh, is the Lambda circuit breaker, uh, and you based the this pattern off of. Um, uh, off of something that Gunnar Grosh just released. Um, he released a, a, a little script, you know, a little uh, NPM package, I guess, um, to allow you to implement Lambda circuit breakers, which I've been talking about for, I don't know, two and a half years now or something like that. <laughs> so um, I love that this now is encapsulated in the CDK. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Um, whenever Gunnar released that, I sent him a, a DM. I was just like, hey, do you mind if I put a CDK pattern out there for this? Because internally, You've no idea how many conversations I've had internally about needing circuit breakers. Right. I mean, it it's it should be core at this point, but it's not. So that's why whenever I saw that library, I thought, you know what, this is something that it's not a, a huge effort for me to put out there, but I think it's a huge value to the community to be able to say, if you're going to integrate with something that may or may not be reliable, let's give you a mechanism to be able to decide what to do whenever it's not in its reliable phase. You know, it's, it seems basic, but it's not. Right. Yeah. And I, I still don't understand why this isn't somehow built into um, AWS uh, or any of these cloud providers, because if people are not familiar with the circuit breaker, essentially what it is, is when you are reaching out to third party APIs um, or anything that, again, you could overwhelm, could go down or things like that, that you're building in a mechanism here that says, once I start getting a certain number of failures, I'm going to either back off or I'm going to take a break for a minute um, and then I will keep trying to see if it's it's working again, but I'll, I'll be that good netizen, if you want to use that word, um, and not overwhelm you know these downstream services because the worst thing you can do for uh, a service that is responding slowly is send more traffic to it, right? Um, so yeah, so these are the kind of things where it's such a common thing, right? You're always calling um, you're always calling third-party APIs. You're either writing data, you're reading data, um, you know, and it'll be interesting to see what they do with EventBridge and SaaS integration and some of those things around that. But until then, Lambda Circuit Breakers, check them out, awesome pattern. All right, what's another, um, what's another pattern that, uh, that you like? Yeah, so the, another one I like, they're all based around well-architected, but the Saga step function. Yes. Um, and the Saga pattern, 
listen, this has been around a lot longer than serverless. This is just a design pattern where for everything, it's it's about managing these big, long distributed processes and being able to say what happens when there's failure midway through the process. So for the example in this pattern, it's a holiday booking and it's a case of booking your flights and your hotel. And I think the car might be, I can't remember if we added the car or not, or if it was just one layer too many, but uh, <laughs> the idea is for every step that you take, you need to have an equal but opposite undo step so that if anything goes wrong, it unravels layer by layer. So the system is in the state it was before you tried anything. And it links to an awesome talk from GoTo by Katie McCaffrey. And as I said, the saga pattern itself, it's if you want to build systems and you're working across these multiple bounded contexts as opposed to one single unit, it's something you really need to consider. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, again, then the, the Saga um, uh, pattern is something, too, that from a serverless standpoint, I know that Yen Trey, the Burning Monk, had put out some stuff about that in the past, um, which is just, it, it's, a, it's again, it's really, really great pattern. I mean, if you are coordinating multiple things, um, I mean, I'm a big fan of of, um, of choreography, right? Like using EventBridge and having, you know, having other systems react. Um, and in most cases, that's fine if, if someone's going to get a, uh, you know, if a, uh, a mass mailer or some sort of a, uh, um, you know, maybe a coupon is going to go out if somebody makes a certain number of purchases, if that fails, you know, it's probably not the end of the world if that didn't work or if something didn't get updated in your Salesforce or Marketo database or something like that. But if, uh, you know, if the inventory system wasn't updated, well, then that's a problem, right? And we need to make sure that those things can be taken care of. So, um, so absolutely great pattern. All right. One more pattern that I like to, I want to call out because in the beginning of 2020, I actually was thinking that voice control was going to be a hugely important thing, right? With all of these, and I'm going to say it, I'm going to mute, hold on, I'm going to mute my Alexa so that it doesn't listen, it doesn't respond to me. Um, but with all of these voice controlled systems um, and you know all this voice interactivity, I think the ability for you to now do really complex tasks with your voice um, is is pretty cool. I didn't see as much this year as I thought I would. I thought there'd be more of a progression, but that also could be because everybody was locked at home and maybe, you know, it just, there wasn't enough opportunity for these things to grow. Um, but I do think it's a very cool thing. And I think Alexa obviously is a is one of the, the pieces that's driving this. Um, so you just recently released an Alexa skill. So tell us about that. Yeah, what's cool about this pattern is I didn't write it. So this was actually a community contribution from a, another member of Liberty Mutual staff, um, and now a community builder, Chris Planky. But what's awesome about this is um, we actually have two heroes in Liberty Mutual, Julian Armstrong and Julian McCann, mm -hmm. both experts in machine learning, Lex, and voice. So I've I've spent the since I started CDK Patterns thinking how can I get you know, voice UI into these patterns because it is something that it's going to come at some point and be mainstream. Now, the problem with Lex in particular is it's not exactly in cloud formation today. You have to deploy your own custom resource to get it out there. But Alexa was apparently slightly easier. So that's where Chris Planky was able to take a very basic skill. And you still have to navigate the fact that there is Amazon and there is Amazon Web Services. So you need an right. Amazon developer account to deploy it. But outside of that, the barrier to deploying it is get your Amazon account, clone the pattern, deploy, and you've got an Alexa skill, which it, 
Now, what it does is it just lets you say CDK patterns, tell me what patterns you have, but yeah. you can adapt that to be whatever you want in your context. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I know I've, I've developed a couple of Alexa skills more as a test. I've never put one out there for other people to use, um, but they are very cool. They do get kind of complicated and you need to, I mean, this is another thing. CDK patterns isn't going to help you understand all of the the semantics and how you have to create all of the, the different uh, uh, questions and all that kind of stuff and all the slots and all that create, but but it's great for getting the basics set up. And like you said, just being able to, to iterate on that and, and make some changes. So, um, all right, awesome. So uh, again, cdkpatterns.com, go check it out. There are 23 patterns there um, that will get you started immediately and probably get you to really like the CDK. So um, do that. Speaking of people really liking the CDK, another thing that happened earlier this year, um, which is crazy how fast this all happened, but was um, the CDK day. So tell us about the CDK day. Yeah, so um, this was one day I just had this idea and I thought, what if we just had one day, we took the whole day and we talked about everything CDK. So I sent a message to a few of my friends and from there it just snowballed. Um, I, I sort of thought everyone would say, no, this is too much effort, but everybody was so supportive. And it was, was it two weeks or four weeks after that message, we actually put out the tweet to say CDK Day was happening. And then it was 12 weeks after that, that the day happened. And in that time, we had to build the website, get the CFP out there, pick the talks, find a host, get the streaming platform up and running, do all the social media. But the community absolutely came through. I mean, the numbers of people that signed up was incredible. Um, whenever at the very start for the keynote, there was over a thousand people watching for a conference that was brand new. And all of the speakers, you know, they all they all nailed their particular talks. I, I couldn't have asked for more considering it was just a random idea. I had one day that snowballed into a large thing. Right. That's amazing. And the talks are... Uh, the videos of the talks are up on cdkday.com, right? So you can go back and watch the replays. Yeah, they're all up on YouTube and you can find them. There's a page, a rewind page on cdkday.com where they're all individually up there because something I've learned is, so that was a five hour back to back to back of talks. Yeah. But uh, to make it easier for everybody to consume, I, I sliced them all up, <clears throat> sliced them all up and re-uploaded them. So yeah, you can find them all there, broken down by speaker name and title. Awesome. So now, what are the uh, what are some of the best talks that um, that people should uh, should go check out? Yeah, something that is really awesome that's still in beta or dev preview is CDK pipelines. So this is the idea that with CDK, not only can you use your favorite language to deploy your infrastructure, but now you can use it for multi-region, multi-account setups. So everything in the same code. And Thorsten Hoger, who is a hero, he talks through the actual live demo of how to do that with CDK Pipelines, which it's a really good talk. If you haven't seen it before, CDK Pipelines before, you'll learn a lot. Um, there's a couple of other good ones as well. So Matter Dabit actually gives a talk on AppSync with CDK. And I'm, I'm a big fan of trying to get Amplify and CDK to be friends and try and get this rapid development, you know, closer together. But he talks through, he does a live demo of AppSync, which is really good. 
And then the last one was a lad who came up with the idea for CDK. He showed off his new project, project which is called ProGen. Mm-hmm. And this is like, it's, a, it's an opinionated way of creating your projects. So you can just go in and be like, ProGen, new CDK module. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it abstracts certain things, like all of the different dependency versions I told you. It abstracts them into a YAML for you, and you don't have to manage that anymore. It just you can give it your GitHub token, and it'll keep your projects up to date and stuff. So it's it's a really cool concept. Awesome. All right. Well, um, so listen, cdkday.com, cdkpatterns.com. Uh, Matt, thank you so much for one joining me here today and sharing this, but also for literally the tons of work that you have done. I don't think you quite realize how much good you have done, um, not just within Liberty Mutual, but within the community itself. I mean, there are, uh, uh, the CDK day, I mean, everything that you've been doing is amazing. Um, Keep it up um, and like, yeah, this is just awesome. So if people wanna find out more about you um, and all these other projects that you're working on, maybe, you know, what you're taking so that you don't need to sleep so that you can keep working on all these things, um, how, how do they do that? Yep. So uh, thank you for that. Um, if you want to find me, I'm NI Developer on Twitter. And to be fair, if you type NI Developer into Google, you'll find a ton of resources that I'm at. But if you want to keep up to date on the patterns, there's a CDK Patterns Twitter handle that you can follow and every new pattern gets tweeted out there. Um, if you want to stay up to date on CDK Day, in case we throw another one, there's a CDK Day Twitter handle that you can follow. Um, if you want blog posts, you can go to dev.2 slash ni developer. And then, yeah, there's, I think that that has your basis covered. If you can find me in those places, you can find the others. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, I will put all of the stuff in the show notes, LinkedIn, those blog, uh, the blog, your Twitter, CDK pattern, CDK day. Matt, thanks again. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And that's this week's serverless chat. I want to give a huge thank you to Matt Coulter for being my guest this week and to our sponsors, TriggerMesh and Amazon Web Services. If you want to check out the show notes and a full transcript of this episode, you can find them at serverlesschats.com slash 76. For more serverless chats, subscribe, sign up to be an insider, check us out on YouTube, and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can connect with me on Twitter, at Jeremy underscore daily. And if you want to keep up to date on everything serverless, make sure you subscribe to the Off by None newsletter at offbynone.io. Thank you so much for joining me, and I look forward to chatting with all of you again next week.